to me, what I feel is going through, I don't want to call it in terms of five years, but I want to look at it in terms of what I got out of it. The whole program made me start looking at problems differently and also become serious. Sometimes when I look at my life before I started doing the engineering program, sometimes I would feel like I was like a joker <laughs> or I was, I was not... I was, I was not really that that serious with stuff. But through the program, attention to details were created, boldness, ability to, to, to you know, that, that, that ability to, or, or rather, how can I call it? The mindset that I could come out different because, you know, I was, we were only three ladies surrounded by 72 guys, but we had to make sure that, you come out, you, you, you don't get swallowed within so that you, we, you know, you had to be seen that, hey, I'm a lady here. So you needed to do something extra. You needed to, to really shine amongst a group. So those are some of the things that really built me. Presentation, not really standing to intimidation, some level of thinking. So a, a lot of things which are helping me right now in the outside world really came from the program that I had at that time. One must belong. One must be for tribe. This is Mahandisi the Engineer's Podcast. My name is Loret Newton, a graduate engineer turned podcast host. And this is focus is to empower the engineer and each month we bring an inspiring guest or message speaking in the language of the engineer. Karibu to Imarike Pamod. Welcome back. Welcome all. Uh, this is Loret Newton, the host uh, of the day. Uh, this is Mohanis, the Engineers Podcast. So this month we are having um, our guests by the name uh, Lavender. And um, Lavender, you are welcome. Welcome to Mohanis. Uh, please introduce yourself. Thank you. Thank you very much. My name is Lavender Ndunya. I'm a young professional, four years into the work industry. I work for British American Tobacco. And my background is electrical engineering, which I did in JQuat. But throughout the period while doing my studies, I did love volunteering. I still do love it. So I started volunteering for IEEE. And currently, I'm the section treasurer. Also in the region, I'm the humanitarian activities member in charge of trading and supporting community projects in Kenya, Uganda, Zambia, and Ethiopia. I'm happy to be here to, you know, share insights about what I do. Great, Lavender. Um, so so um, you said that uh, you were in Judah. Um, please walk us through your journey before you got into your current position. Okay. Uh, Georgia is actually known to be a place for males. So during during uh, during my time those days, I joined uh, JQuat in 2012. There was still a large population of men as compared to females. Just for instance, to mention in my own class, we had 72 gentlemen and only nine ladies. So total were 81. We had to be split into two. 
a half so each class had about uh you know ab- about 40 people and out of the 40 so being nine ladies out of the nine three were working in industry so they were part time that would leave six of us as the singles who we used to call ourselves as the singles because we were not working we were the youngest so out of the six three would be in either of the groups because of that most activities were handled by the guys so would feel left out because they would always group themselves if they want to go if if they if they have heard of any event any activity anything they'll go and they'll leave the ladies behind lucky you if you were one of their friends so you'd always be tagged along but these opportunities didn't come often so i would find myself if i was not reading i'd be bored because uh, I, I, I didn't have a lot of friends at the time. If I had friends, most of them would be engineers because our schedules were clashing with those of the other uh, other departments. So my friends would be engineers. So if I'm in, if I'm not in session, you'd find they'd be in session. That means even our interactions were also minimal. So through that, I would find myself now watching movies or a be bored in my in my in my house in my hostel at the time and i would i ended up researching on any activities with in nairobi that i could attend so i bumped into a site that had indicated an activity under ieee this activity was going to be carried out in moi university and to my surprise i saw the lead person at that time was Ignatius Maranga. Ignatius was my classmate, but he had never told me about IEEE, of course. Like I mentioned, the gentlemen would always have their own ideas. So I approached him and I I asked him about IEEE and he actually took me through what IEEE is about. He told me about the activities that he's able to do on monthly basis, on weekly basis, and the trips he would have to do. At that, at that time, he was the student lead uh, for all the students in the section. So Kenya country is called section. So he told me sometimes he'd be forced to travel to, Mo- to Eldoret, to, you know, to any part of the country, as long as they had an initiative to do. And I felt like that was exciting because I wanted something to keep me busy. And more so, if he said it was on a volunteering basis, I felt, why not? So I asked him on any prerequisites towards me joining IEEE, and he told me the only thing I needed to do was pay $27. At first, $27 looks a lot, because that was in my second year. So $27, that was almost like my upkeep for the whole month. I would use like 27, that's 27 dollars. So I pushed the idea aside, slept on it, never went back to him. But in my final year, I met him again. That time he had just traveled to Ethiopia. And I felt like, oh, wow, how exciting it can be if with this same organization, you can get opportunity to travel outside Kenya. And he told me that the whatever I'd get inside was way better than $27 that I felt was a, a, a barrier for me to join. So on that very day, while in my final year, he told me to tag along. They were having a steering committee meeting 
in uh, within CBD at Intercontinental Hotel. So I went there. I saw how their meeting was, the way the you know the way the topics that they were discussing. But what fascinated me the most was the way they were dressed and the phones they were <laughs> they were carrying. So each of them had an iPhone, <laughs> and and I could not believe it. So I ended up asking myself like, what? I actually regretted not joining way early, but on that very day, I, I just changed my mind. I was like, I was going to pay that money that very day and start doing whatever I needed to do to fit in. At that time, I was looking at it like, I want to fit in. I want to be like those people. I want to dress the way they were around, to be as, to be as busy as they were. So I joined IEEE. And just the, I joined in February twenty. Uh, 17 the following month which was in march a call came in where they wanted uh, people to to apply to go to nigeria so that they can be trained on how to conduct activities within africa it was the africa students and young professionals congress it was the first time it was being held in nigeria and a lot of people were to be exposed so i did write i explained in my submission everything that i would have done to kenya once i had gotten the knowledge from nigeria and imagine i was selected i was just one month old in ishipoli but i won i won the scholarship I remember Ignatius, I hope he doesn't kill me for this, but Ignatius even did not get the opportunity, but I got it. And I told him, I told him like, wow, if uh, this thing can be competitive and it doesn't matter whether you have been inside for five years, 10 years, 20 years, and someone who's in for one, one month only, and this person for one month can get an opportunity, then it means there's no bias in it. So let me run with anything that comes my way. And I, I, I did vow to, to also help recruit as many other students as possible. And that was the beginning of my journey in IEEE. Because when I went to Nigeria, I created enough networks. And it's through these networks that helped me when I came back to Kenya to now lead IEEE Day as my first assignment in October of 2018. Then I got another opportunity to go to U.S. Denver in Colorado to also attend another major conference so that I could help with planning bigger conferences. Actually, is about events and building partnership with industries. So when I went there, I was exposed in USM, hence came back to Kenya and I was elevated to another officer position as an industry engagement lead. Through it, I created my networks, and through them, and with, together with the knowledge that I learned, I was propelled to uh, a regional position, which I'm handling right now, which is the humanitarian activities uh, lead for four countries. So that's just my story about how I moved from campus to where I am in IEEE. Okay, um, th that sounds a good journey actually to know that uh, you transition from being one month old to have traveled the world and um, having been involved in, in, in the activities that uh, you've mentioned. So, um, quick question on uh, the motivation behind this. So, um, if my memory serves me right, you mentioned something about you wanted to fit in once you saw Ignatius and the likes. 
uh, being dressed well and having um, iPhones. So once that, uh, once you were able to join, what kept you going again? What what is this thing that um, made you um, go ahead and uh, even deliver on the tasks that you, you you are given? What was the motivation? It was the networks. So when you move from, let me say, uh, local, and then I went to Nigeria or I went to USA, I realized that I was meeting CEOs of companies. And these were really potentials along my path. I'm an electrical engineer, so you'd meet a CEO of a company that that uh, at, at the time I really wanted to join. So I felt, okay, if, if IEEE can make me meet this person and we can have a conversation, an easy an easier conversation where you're seated and no one is worried about the level the professional level you are at then let me remain I, I felt like let me stick let me stick in this but then in sticking you find that in the conversation you're being asked some questions which are which span all round they span across technical to financials to planning to productivity so I felt like IEEE helps me think all round. It does not make me only be focused on technical area because coming from electrical engineering side, we are nurtured to start always from the technical side before moving towards management. But within IEEE and the fact that it makes me through the conversations that you have, through the networks that you have, um, for you to maintain those conversations, you have to know everything. You have to know how a business can succeed and for you to know how a business can succeed you have to know any impacts financially any impacts planning wise any impacts logistically any impacts supply chain wise all the way so these are some of the attributes that and also not forgetting presentation the way you speak so they can even shed light and tell you, no, this is not right. This is not correct. So basically it was those networks that I was meeting. that uh, Those are the ones that made me remain and feel like uh, I want to see more. You know, I get that urge. I want to see more. Let this not be a one-time thing. And then the relationship dies because these conferences, they happen. They happen on monthly basis, but that exposure comes maybe once a year. So I did not want to meet only 2018 an example, and then that will be the end. So that's why I stayed on. Okay, so the point was uh, you didn't want to miss out and um, that kept you going even looking for, for, for other opportunities. So um, the, the other question now is something to do with, um, you have mentioned that you were able to meet uh, very big people, uh, CEOs of companies, and um, what comes to mind is Lavender, um, a one-month-old uh, volunteer at IEEE, of course, the, the assumption is you didn't have prior knowledge to a lot of the questions you're being asked. So what was your preparation like, even as you prepared to attend these conferences? Did you have like a system where you'd go and uh, read about um, probably the, the, the CEOs that you may want to know? How did you keep yourself abreast with probably the, the, the issues that you might anticipate that would come in your conversation with the CEOs? No, for me, I did not really plan because... I did not know who I was going to meet. So once I was there physically, it was up to it was up to me at the time to figure out because you attend plenary session, you attend panel sessions, and you hear, you listen to the person who's speaking. And before they speak, they would introduce themselves. Also you'd be given the brochure 
which has a short biography about whoever about all the speakers so i was able to know which which session i can attend which one i'd uh, i'd probably want to keep contacts with etc so through the sessions and uh through listening to the people i'll then make that initiative i'd have that initiative to miss that person introduce myself be be clear and say that i'm a student i'm from kenya I'm looking for this and this kind of opportunities and I'm happy to meet you and I learn to, I love to learn more. And that was the beginning. It's easy for people. Something that I got to understand, that's why I was saying it was easier to discuss with people whenever you're attending Atripoli conferences. Every of those members are free and open to discuss anything. So it was easy to, uh, you know, to just approach someone, start a conversation and it picks up. This person introduces you to another, the other one introduces you to another one, and that is the beginning of how networks were created. So I did not have any prior planning, but while attending it, that's when I got to meet the the presenters who ended up being networks. Yeah, so th- that sounds like um, you, you you might consider a career in sales because you are transitioning from not knowing to a position that you're able to hold conversations with, with the person that you didn't know. Um, ideally, ideally, it should not be called sales, but it should be called marketing. I ended up learning there's a difference between sales and marketing. Marketing involves, <laughs> marketing involves how you talk. So, And it also requires someone to be bold enough to make that step. It's, it's, to some people, it may be hard to start a conversation, but what I learned is sometimes you don't need to be the one to start it. You can just say hello, like just a handshake, and the other person start. Or you just need to be within the space. And someone always share their card and be like, you can schedule a chat. If you can't say hello verbally, you can say hello via a chat, send a message, and that would kickstart everything. So a marketing skill is something that I think could be in me. And also what people say in my job industry. Yeah, so uh, looking even at your journey, transitioning from being one month old, going to Nigeria, um, and then having having even uh, accessed or rather delivered on the things that you're able to deliver, uh, speak something about um, we could call it talent um, because it it comes out like there the, there wasn't prior preparation. But anyway, um, let's transition to another aspect of um, your journey. Um, so how, how did you come to be involved with uh, your current employer? Surprisingly, uh, this is interesting. So I cleared campus in 2017 in November. I mean, I cleared in June. We graduated in December, the same year. But after graduating, I did not really have a a place to work ahead. I did not have an offer yet from any company. So basically I was out there looking for a job. But because it was December, most companies were already shutting. People were going on holidays. So everything was being postponed to the next year, 2018. January, immediately after New Year's, together with a friend of mine, we decided to map out areas where we wanted to, to work. To me, at the moment, I know this could come as a funny thing. I always used to think that any companies that are located in Westlands are 
good companies they have good revenues good turnout and i wanted to work for any company around westlands so that was the first place that we mapped out we mapped out about 50 companies and would send emails and take our documents physically we did that exhausted westlands moved to hellingham then after that the third place was industrial area do the same we sent emails and then we took our documents physically so along industrial area, uh, I actually went to Tetra Park. And then, you know, we were actually walking so that we could spot any company that we could have missed out. Because <coughs> while mapping, we were Googling, using Google to, to check any companies around this area. Then we go there. So we decided to walk so that if there was any company that was not indicated on Google, we could also just get inside and approach them and go to the reception and share with them our, our documents. So I live in Tetra Park. I think we got lost. We did not understand the road clearly. So somehow we just found ourselves passing BAT, British American Tobacco. It, it was a surprise to both of us, like, wow, this is where BAT is located. Then we decided to go and try, you know, approach the security guard and ask them whether they could allow us to go to the reception and drop our resume but the security guard told us that BAT does not do that does not accept anything physically instead there was an opportunity that they had put on their website so he requested us to go and check it out and see if we could apply the opportunity was an internship and they only wanted four interns to join their manufacturing industry so with a friend of mine we went back to the house and that very night I was like yeah why not because I was eager to you know, I was just sending anywhere. So I, I was like, okay, let me, let me, let me apply to this. What can, what's the harm? Nothing. I have my documents. I have everything. It's just an application. So that's how I applied. Uh, to my surprise, one week later, uh, I, uh, an email came to me that I, that I was good to progress to the next steps. So one after the other, I passed. So it, it involved a series of eight interview stages, and I passed all of them. So that's how I ended up getting into BAT as an intern. That was so I started um, working for BAT in April 2018. Internship period was six months. If you are good, you'd have an extension of three months before being taken in. So in total, I did the internship period for nine months, which was basically from April to December of 2018, and started on permanent role in 2019 January. Uh, one of the things that actually in my interview stages that made me move on to the next was the fact that, you know, they wanted only four people. So out of the team that I had at the time, I was the only one who was doing volunteering activities. So we were academic wise. It looked like we were all on the same platform, but BAT wanted someone who was unique. So I came out as the unique one based on the fact that I was doing volunteering. And that is what now made me get in and, you know, even within the organization, be propelled within departments because of that active, the activeness, the different activities and the diversity in terms of categories of, you know, issues that I could handle. So somehow I feel like uh, IEEE helped me also get into BAT and in my movements within BAT. Okay. Um, interesting to know that... Uh, um, your employment is actually connected to it fully. Um, sounds good, although it's uh, indirect. 
on, 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 on your transition again uh, in terms of the way you're looking for the jobs, was there, um, wh- when, you, when you were exiting school, was there a plan like you had, for example, um, day one, I'll do this, um, month two, I'll do this, or you just finished school, like like that, that, this is your, um, your build-up to the time that you're able to complete uh, your studies. Um, was it that let me finish school and then what will follow will follow? What will come will come? Or is it that you, from from your um, experience now with the outgoingness, having met CEOs, you had like uh, established your connection with the CEOs and then you started sending the communication to them? Or you just got out and um, like all of us, start from scratch? So I actually, I was under pressure. I really wanted to help my family. I really wanted to help my dad. Uh, at that time, I only had my dad. My mom passed on a while back. So I really wanted to help him, you know, uh, pay for school fees for my younger siblings because I'm the firstborn. So I wanted to be useful to the community, you know, just help others. And the only way I thought I could help, especially to my dad and my family back at home, was financially. So I wanted, by the time I was clearing school, I had to have a job, something that could generate income. And hence, before completing school, I had sent my resumes to you know, my networks, to different people that I had met so that I could get an opportunity. But that did not happen. By the time I was finishing, I had not had an offer yet. I was worried. I was under pressure. That's why I was eager to get anything that could help me at least get something. Hence why, even while mapping out the areas that I wanted to work for, and I remember starting with Westlands ETC, I opted to work so that I could see any part that I could have missed out, any part that, that could have been potential. Okay, and, and these papers of yours were generic ones that say, okay, I'm so-and-so, this is what I have. It's not company-specific. It was, no. It, um, uh, mostly I had the, I was working with the resume, so I'd work with the resume. Then once I've talked to the person at the reception or even the managers, some of them would allow me to meet the managers. So I'll meet the managers and be like, here's my resume. I really like this place. Would you allow me to send you my cover letter later? So most of them were like, yes. They would check the resume. Some would say resume was okay. Some would say send the cover letter later. So in the cover letter, that's when I'll specify. Um, I, you know, do you write cover letter? You write your details, your address, and then you write the name of the company and reasons why you should join the company. Okay. It looks like you applied to a lot of companies. and um, I did. I they, did, actually. <laughs> they were not courteous enough to respond even um, after some time. A few. I, I, I did apply to maybe 150 companies. Out of the 150, I think only 20 did respond. And all these 20 were like too late. They had just employed someone. They had just gotten someone. Others were like, my my credentials were too good. They could not afford me. <laughs> they could not afford me at the time. <laughs> so it was all about that. That's why, like, even my own, they wanted diploma. They didn't want degree. I was degree. So at the end of the day, they were negative. Others would be like, please try. We would want someone, but the next year. So can you come back the next year? Or can you come back after three months? 
So those were some of the feedback that I was getting. But at the end of the day, it means negative. Okay, okay. Um, it's either a one or a zero. Yeah, um, but in between, so uh, in between me finishing school and me graduating, because I wanted to be somewhere, I hated, I hated just being idle, not doing anything. So I, I, I had the IEEE activities, but I also needed something to cover me, at least like occupy me, you know, my energy. I, I always feel when it's like I was not exhausting my energy within IEEE. So I had, I had a reservoir. <laughs> so I needed to use it somewhere else. So I ended up again joining another uh, uh, NGO, which was called Mobile Education for, for Life, where... I was a resource mobilization. So my job was to, I could I could call it like building partnerships, but as a resource mobilizer, it means you are getting companies to sponsor projects for different communities. So the projects, at that time I was working with county government. So mobile, Meli, let me abbreviate the NGO as Meli. So Meli was doing projects for county governments. And this uh, and these projects were mostly around solar, solar energy issues to do with women, issues to do with youths, like uh, you know getting them projects related to coding, etc. So that's that's also what kept me busy between June and November of 2017. So so back to the internship. Um, was it a paid internship? Yes, it was. Okay. Um, did you have an approach to your ask of how you'd be compensated or you're just given an offer letter and um, yeah, it's good. It's better than nothing. No, during the interview, uh, I was asked, I think everyone was, was being asked to mention what they think they, they needed to be remunerated. To me at the time, I used to f- think that I remember I, I was under pressure, really wanted an income. So I used to feel like if I really needed any amount of money for status, I wanted 50,000 shillings. So I always used to say, anywhere I went, if anyone asked me, I would say 50,000 shillings. I think that is a fault on my end because to some places, probably I did not do that research, which is a key thing to know exactly, you know, what the kind of remuneration that people are given at a certain level. So standard, to me it was standard 50,000. So even during the internship, I did say 50,000. But they told me that they have their grades and with their grades, they pay in the limits that the company has allowed them to. So that means if I'm an intern and there's another intern, we can, I cannot be paid 50,000 and the other intern is paid 100,000. We're all on a band. And in this band, if you're starting, you will start at this value. So it's just standard. They told me it was standard for them. Okay. So like, um, was it that you overquoted, uh, underquoted? Uh, okay. Um, let, let's start from this point. Did you have a way of establishing that uh, 50,000 was the mark in terms of your, um, your way of looking at it? Or um, what was it based on? I did have a friend who cleared ahead of me. And this friend had joined uh, Schneider, Schneider Electric, as a graduate trainee. 
while working for the I mean while working for Schneider, she told me as a graduate trainee they were being paid 60,000. So for me I felt if I was asking if I was going to a company to ask for an internship, I expected an internship to be lower than a graduate training. And I just uh, <laughs> I just mathematically reduced 10,000 from the 60,000. So I put 50,000. I don't know whether the friend t- gave me correct information. He told me 60k. I'm, I'm not sure. I never really went to confirm whether her information was correct or not. Yeah, that is that is uh, better than having no reference at all. Um yeah. So um currently what do you do at Piet? So currently I'm the customer service uh executive or I just say customer service personnel. I handle accounts for different markets, seven markets. Kenya is one of them. And there's Mauritius, there's Tanzania, there's Zambia, Comoros, Madagascar, Djibouti, South Sudan. As a person who handles account management it means i'm responsible for shipment to those countries i have to make sure that whatever the customers have ordered is what they get and they get as the right as the correct place at the right time my notion of customer service was not something like that but uh, anyway that's fair sometimes some sometimes people think customer service is uh, the people who are at the reception <laughs> I think in some companies <laughs> in some I think I think these are just terminologies that are used by companies to suit how they are. So in some places it's the person who is seated at the front desk. In some places it's the person who's at the call center. I think uh, other companies like Safaricom would do that who the ones at the call center. Uh, like banking, I think customer service could be the people who are receiving your queries. So you're calling them and they're responding to your direction you to whoever can sort you out. And in some places customer service is the one who's doing sales. I think that is in like energy energy companies they would like solar solar companies they could be someone who's doing sales. So <laughs> the term it varies from place to place. But now in BAT it's account management. So in essence um we can truncate and say um you are not doing engineering work I am not I shifted 360 degrees with a reason Mhm Um like I mentioned I uh, through Tripoli I got exposed to different people My aim is to go to the top to the C suite to become a director to become a ceo and luckily these are the people that just came you know before me like the world just brought them <laughs> close to me through the talking while exchanging and trying to understand their path how they end up being at the positions that they are in at the moment or at that moment i realized that most of them started from the technical side and each of them touched supply chain head marketing skills and that's how a little of financial or yeah more of marketing a little of financial skills and that's what propelled them i went back and i realized at that time i was when i joined bt i was in manufacturing industry so i was basically on the technical side and i i, I realized that if i continued being there then i would not know 
because in those places that housing people were now talking about things to do with supply chain while in technical side i didn't know exactly what the supply chain was so i quickly asked my line manager to help me move to supply chain side and they accepted so at least i would be a t they allow you to do that you can you know it's up to your initiative do you want to move and and then you explain yourself and they allow you so i that's how i moved to supply chain and my conversations became easier with the networks that i had more or less even when being referred to places where i needed to study i would see the people who were there who were joining those universities there are people who are also touching on things to do with supply chains things to do with marketing things to do with finance hence now i created a path i created a, a line so i started telling myself i've touched manufacturing i've touched technical side i've touched supply chain so now i want some skills in marketing luckily within supply chain you're able to interact with all these marketing finance etc but then i need more marketing i need some financials reason why i needed some financials uh, i mean at the point that in this financials also attributed to the fact that i did apply to be a treasurer for ipoli kenya section because i was looking for uh, some skills from it which i'm hoping to gain from ipoli in the treasurer position and once now i have the technical manufacturing supply chain marketing and financials then my path towards being a ceo being a director being at the top is isn't great to know actually that you're using ipoli as your north star um guiding your point of turns because um it appears that if you are you're not met the CEOs as a part of Ipoli engagement you not have shifted from being um from the technical side towards the supply chain bit uh, do you do you think that uh, you somehow feel like um you going to school for more than five years um derailed you for the reason that uh, your approach is now taking the form of uh, heading into the, the the leadership position and not necessarily technical stuff No, not at all. To me what I feel is going through I don't want to call it in terms of five years, but I want to look at it in terms of what I got out of it. The whole program made me start looking at problems differently and also become serious. Sometimes when I look at my life before I started doing the engineering program, sometimes I would feel like I was like a joker <laughs> or I was I was not I was, I was not really that that serious with stuff but through the program attention to details were created boldness ability to 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 you know that 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 ability to or or rather how can I call it the mindset that I could come out different because you know I was we were only three ladies surrounded by 72 guys but we had to make sure that you come out you 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 don't get swallowed within so that you we, you know you had to be seen that hey i'm a lady here so you needed to do something extra you needed to to really shine amongst a group so those are some of the things that really built me presentation not really standing to intimidation some level of thinking so a, a lot of things which are helping me right now in the outside world really came from the program that I had at that time which I do not think I would have gotten if I had not done the engineering program more so it is the engineering that even got me 
to get you know my job because if I didn't have it, probably I wouldn't have landed in BAT. I I don't know where I would have been at that moment. Right now, I'm I'm appreciating the fact that I'm in BAT, but it was through the engineering. It's also through the engineering that I was able to know IEEE and start propelling through ranks within IEEE. If I, I I don't know who I would have been if I didn't have that. So all that the whole let me call it the whole program has really been helpful to me. I feel like it was essential that I went through that. That also means that, um, okay, looking at your journey, actually, there, there, there are a few points coming out. One of them being the fact that um, you're not easy in letting go uh, positions uh, you've gotten into. You, you, we could actually say that you didn't have prior knowledge about, about them. And that also brings me to the next question. What, what is this strategy that you have that allows you to be able to learn quite fast and, 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 and be able to um, execute projects with... Um, with the confidence that you have. Do you have a strategy that you think um, is worth sharing in terms of learning? I have some pointers. The first thing is openness. I'm always ready. Any space where I can learn anything, I love grabbing it, no matter what. Like I, I, I can't put myself down because I don't know it. Because I always believe there's someone, if I'm wrong, someone will show me. Or if I'm wrong, I will always check it out. I'll Google it. I will ask we build a network out of it because I'll be interacting with another person. So any platform that will teach me something I don't know, I embrace it because like I said, I think it's the people I've been meeting. For me to keep up with the conversation, I need to know something from a certain field. So if there's something I don't know, it means I'll be quiet. I do not like being quiet. I like keeping the conversation going. So I, I'm, I'm eager to check up on any initiatives, any assignments because I'm not the end of it. I will learn. So the urge and the desire to learn keeps me going. Also, openness, readiness to explain whether I'm stuck or I'm not. Not getting angry when things are not working. Not getting angry when, 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 when maybe I'm not getting along with a person. Instead, I'll always be open. Like I would understand. I'll be able to discern the difference between personal issues and those that are related to a project. If I'm doing something and we are in it together, I would always be like, let's keep this, look at the end game. If it has to work, let it work. Not bring in any third parties or any issues towards making that project not work. Then um, lastly, I think it's uh, the team, people skills where, you know, trying as much as possible to always make fun out of a, not make anything too serious so that you feel excited so that you you enjoy you end up appreciating together with a group of people whatever you're doing so that you can all celebrate when results come out so these are some of the things that just they are actually changing when after interacting with other people out here i think they need to hear this because these are things that can make someone have a really successful path. Okay, so so your your, your feedback loop is quite uh, quite strong. You're able to pick on points where you're supposed to learn, and and, and be able to implement them as, as as they come. Now, something else about the positions you're picking up on, and and the projects you're able to do. How do you ensure that you're able to balance all this without getting overwhelmed? <laughs> You know, actually, my work industry, my boss ever asked me that question. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. 
<laughs> I think um it's all about planning how you plan yourself time wise if you uh if you know you need to allocate this time to this activity strictly it has to be that an example is because I'm working so I know I'm expected to work for 8 hours in my work industry during that time I'm solely doing my job industry swak after that then i switch and start doing extra curricular stuff if i'm doing ieee for a given period of time after that i'll switch and you know start doing another so it's all about how you plan your time what time you need to do what what time you need to do what and i have to make sure i channel all my energy towards that because there's this pressure where if i keep anything slipping into the next day chances are i may find myself not doing it i may now feel uh, overwhelmed so if i can't do it seek push it to you know another person who can who can do it who can run with it moving moving something uh, to to do with um, your people skills you know people skills is, is is a big term to use you have any project examples that you can give us that would demonstrate that um, the effective effectiveness of having being being on on point on your people skills yeah so in terms of ashipoli let me start with when i started volunteering and then where i am right now so when i started volunteering part of uh, other projects that uh, or other other assignments that i was involved in was to organize east africa students and young professional congress in uganda and i needed to handle logistics of the 40 participants from Kenya who are going to Uganda by road for me to handle that i needed a team to help me because out of the 40 people it was different energies people you've not met people you didn't know how they behave and also being in them being with them in the bus from Nairobi to to Uganda to and from required a lot of you know managing managing them. So with the team that I had, of course there are those when you you know there are different energies. So that those who are slow, who are slow at maybe making bookings, who are slow at giving feedback on the participants, there are those who are slow in getting merchandise, those who are slow in issuing pocket change etc. But what i constantly had to do was to you know call them directly if something was delaying I had to call them directly for you know quicker explanation on what was going on try to i mean i i think i did that repeatedly talk about the benefits of instant feedback talk about the end game the goal if we did not achieve something by a certain time it would affect another so in the end everyone became really happy about the the way we carried out this logistics i think even the session leaders at that time was not in the steering committee so the session leaders at the time were also very happy because there was no incidents of people fighting there was no incidents of people quarreling arguing or misbehaving everyone ended up understanding that by this time this needs to be done by this time it seems to be done and it was also filled with fun but it was all because of the constant engagement assignment of tasks to different people and making them understand why 
if they did something it could in, it could impact the outcome of another activity so that is what happened during the planning of the conference right now as a humanitarian activities lead everyone you know we are different leads so i handle four countries another person hands another four countries another person within the region but we have sessions monthly sessions where we interact to share feedback about the the number of activities that are being carried out in those sections so sometimes while the chair we also have a chair so sometimes when the chair assigns tasks to be done um you realize that someone could feel they're not doing okay uh, we meet on a monthly basis and we have to share feedback on how we are doing how the things are being carried out progress you know it is in so among those tasks that are to be done you may find that maybe so i'm lavender handling for this person b handling another for so i may find person b is not is not doing his tasks so within our own committee if we appear all before the chair at the end of the month or once a month when the way we normally do it and each time i'm the one who's only reporting good things and the other side is failing it will not look well because the team will not be moving so what i've tried to do which i think is okay is whenever there's another part that's failing um quickly raise permission to support the other person so that we can all be on the same platform and also me from where i'm sitting if i'm feeling like i'm overwhelmed in a certain area that i am not able to fulfill the commitments that i had i'd also request them call on anyone who can quickly come and relieve me of any anything that i don't have so through that at least we we don't end up getting those differences you know the difference that could arise where people someone could think you're the one who wants to shine more than the other or you are not listening to the other person so at least through that we've been able to remove them from the committee and in case just in case there's uh, i felt like something or someone was not happy about the way things were being done then i would easily approach them so that uh, we could talk we could, we could have a conversation to understand each other and to make sure that there's no any negativity amongst ourselves just so not to affect the outcome i really like doing projects that have a positive ending hence why i put my focus on it if anything happens midway that will affect the end game then would rather not do it but if it's something that can be sorted i would i mean that's why let's have those conversations for us to talk and smoothen the path and 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 how do you ensure that um in the period that uh, you are seeking to help out the other person uh-huh. you do not get out to do their job no you just be cognizant of the task that the other person is supposed to do for example like the way i said we have we have monthly meetings so if this person b needs to do one two three you'd offer first of all you'd try to push that person and see if they're not doing you try and do one and then you communicate so we have a platform because we we, we make it look like a family so we have a platform so you do it and then you indicate that uh person person b i've tried helping you here and here and here so i think you are now easy to pick up in case you cannot please raise concern so through just doing that i think uh, you do something and you put it on the platform where it's open for anyone to see 
that has somehow motivated, has kept people motivated to finish their part so that you don't end up doing the whole of their action. However, in case they are really overwhelmed and they cannot do their part, then it has been okay. We've still been, I've still been able to handle someone's activity, but at the end when we are submitting nominations or an award or a recognition, would still include the other person so that the other person ends up feeling that, yeah, you help them. It's good to continue being together, but at least uh, I think automatically because they're humans, they have been feeling that, okay, next time I think they need to up so that she doesn't look like you did, you still included them. So in the end, they're joy riding. So in short, like you do, and then on that plat- public platform, which we do have in our family, we indicate that, hi, I've helped you here and here. This is the progress. Please pick up. The person automatically has been getting, you know, agitated. Or, I mean, not agitated or <laughs> kushtuka. How do you say someone? Anashtuka and fanya their job. That, that, that has been quite fine, uh, greater conversation to have, Lavender. And um, even as we conclude, um, do you think you have any advice that you may have for young engineers out here? Those who might want to take your path, those who might want to um, practice engineering itself, uh, from where you sit, do you think you have um, any, any, any ideas to share on that or any wisdom that you may want uh, to impact our audience with? There's some things that are really crucial to someone who wants to progress upwards. Networks are important. Volunteering work is key because it shows that you can do something different from your normal line of duty. The fact that you can help a community or you can help in a different area shows that you can also handle different responsibilities. So volunteering has to be part of the things that, that, that a young engineer should incorporate in their movement. Passion while doing their stuff not uh not, not not complaining whenever tasks are too much but instead look at the end game out of that task that you're doing will something positive come out of it so that's the one so that's the passion within is something that someone has to always work with to always remember that it has to come out it also you know sets a good mood to possible employers or other people who'd want to do a project with you. Then thirdly, motivation, initiative, and desire to learn. Anything you don't know or any opportunity that can make you learn something you did not know, please embrace it because the world is changing. You never know where it may land, where the, it's like a seesaw. So you may never know where it may end up balancing. So anything that's why we say within Antipoli is to keep you technically current. Anything that is that, that you can hear of and you can learn, please learn, please participate, join. Even if you grasp one or two things, they may end up being helpful in your path. The fourth thing is activeness. There's no desire when someone is, you know, dull. So you always have at least... Uh, to do something and, and, and shine. Once you do anything, make, make, make it visible for people to see because it creates a name for you. 
and it helps you in your path. At least someone will always mention you. Someone will, will make it easy. Will always, I mean, feel comfortable referring you to another person. So do something and create visibility out of it. Thank you, Lavender. Um, thank you for your time. We would, of course, want to ha- to host you again next time uh, in Pandesi, probably on a different topic or on a, in a different capacity. Oh, thank you. Thank you, too. I look forward to that. Welcome to the Corner of Reflection with me, Okello, producer of Mohandisi the Engineer's podcast. A key takeaway from this episode is how volunteering can be used as a guide for a career path. And that's what I'll center my highlights for this episode around. One of the things that volunteering did for Lavender was set her apart from her competition when she was applying for an internship position at BAT. With most of the candidates being on equal footing, it was the fact that Lavender had volunteered for IEEE in various capacities that made her stand out from the rest. Secondly, volunteering enabled Lavender to get perspective as to which direction she wanted her career to go. Through events she was able to attend due to her volunteering duties, she met and had conversations with CEOs and executives from various companies. These interactions served to inform her that one, being in leadership was an area she wanted to explore for her future, and two, how she could strategize her career to get the prerequisite experience. And that's how she's been able to navigate through the various departments in BAT, from working in the manufacturing department as an intern and now as a customer service executive. Finally, is growing through volunteering. As part of her ambition to join the C-suit, one of the areas that Lavender needs to have experience in is finance. Her approach to bridge this gap is through volunteering as a treasurer for the IEEE Kenya section. Truly, this is a testament to killing two birds with one stone. All in all, this was a pretty insightful conversation, and I hope you learned something new and had a couple of highlights of your own. Thanks for listening, and I hope to have you listen in on the next episode. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode, and for that, we want to say a big thank you. Handisi the Engineer's podcast is produced and edited by Onyango Okello and hosted by myself, Loret Newton. You can also listen to other episodes by searching for Handisi the Engineer's podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. We would love to get any feedback you may have to help us improve. You are welcome to send an email to themhandisi at gmail.com. And one final request, if you can, share this episode with one person whom you think would benefit from it. Thanks again. See you next time.